The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hello, Joanne. Hi, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Uh, just before we start, i got to say, uh, coming up on Monday, Apple's WWDC event. I know we, it seems like we talk a lot about Apple, but this is really big for me because I am waiting, waiting, waiting for Apple to have a new 27-inch iMac because I really need it. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> oh, you, you cannot imagine the number of times I my the recording comes to a halt because my machine goes, uh, that's too much, and decides to stop doing anything for minutes at a time. So, I, I, have to, <laughs> oh. I have to admit, Don, my, my response wants to be, when you wish upon a star. <laughs> well, do you think my emails to Tim Cook and my tweets to him, please, 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 please uh, will have any effect? Probably not. But, I'm, uh, I'm actually surprised. <laughs> I'm, 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 I would be surprised. This is just kind of my, my guessing, just because they didn't release it with the, the new iPad refresh. Right, they had the 20... they usually do that. They right. usually do the sizes together. But they had the twenty four inch iMac just a month ago. Uh, I don't. I actually. I, I actually don't expect it. I. I think that'll probably be the fall. Well, we'll probably see this week. Here's, here's my predictions: is we'll see a new MacBook Pro, fourteen inch probably or sixteen inch or maybe both. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. that for hardware. That's what we'll see. Um, I doubt, and we might see a new watch. Other than that, I don't expect to see any hardware. It'll be all software announcements. I'm looking for really some nice updates to iPadOS. It really needs it. I'd like to see the widgets come to iPadOS like they are on the phone, which is we can place them anywhere on that giant screen. And Joanne will be talking about that later. And because uh, <laughs> uh, I have an idea of what your pick of the week is. And then uh, then we'll have uh, I, I'd, I'd like to see that. That's the big thing I want to see is the is improvements to the widgets. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say, you know, with how Android handles widgets, that w- that is so nice because Android yeah. lets you put it on the phone. Now it, it mm. grids it; it does a grid with the apps, right? So you've got limits to what you can resize, but and you the can phone put it anywhere. That. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the, but you've the, got limits to you have no limits to where you can put it on the screen just within that grid, right? So it's uh, it, it's really nice to be able to have you know here's my common apps I use, and right mm. next to it is my calendar widget. And yeah, and on the phone they've got that they need, to, but on the iPad it's just if for some reason they started off with it, which is confined to the left side of the of the main screen, and it just doesn't make any sense when that's yeah. where you have all the screen real estate. Right, so, it is it is annoying on the iPad. Yeah, but I just have a feeling in predicting on Monday's announcement, it's I don't think there's going to be a lot of hardware because of the chip shortage. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to curtail a lot mm. of hardware for a little while. And that's we'll a sad thing. Yeah, it is. A, it is a big deal. This that's a good shortage. point. Yeah. Um, the, if uh, I have to say, if they have an Apple Watch, I'm still holding out for the glucose monitoring. They, as soon as they have that, that's that's a that's a must purchase automatic purchase for me. That no more <laughs> sticking needles in my fingers. So, <laughs> all right. But that's that's the future. We'll see how our predictions uh, turn out after uh, after Monday. But uh, first, let's talk about today's topic. And today, we'll want to talk about safe buying and selling online. And uh, th- this is a big issue. That's always been an issue. And it's something that recently has 
hurt me, frankly, and why I want to talk about it, because I want to help other people avoid my tale of woe. Uh, I think I mentioned on the show a few a few months ago how somehow my Apple Cards number, the the actual number that they assigned to it, the mm. you know five three three seven. That's not that's not it. I'm just making it off the top of my head that number. <laughs> it, somebody got it when I used it online, and then charged uh, t- uh, like thousands of dollars to my account and. I had a little hassle getting it fixed, but we eventually got it all sorted out with uh, the the bank. Goldman Sachs is the bank behind the Apple Card, and I got all the charges reversed, and that's good. And it's actually fun because the Apple Card, whenever you make a charge or attempt a charge, it pops up on your phone to say, oh, a charge here or decline charge on old card, right? And I keep seeing, like, mm. someone trying to use that card at Pizza Hut, someone trying to use that card at GameStop, someone trying to... Mm. So uh, it's it's kind of funny to see that, how that does it. It's actually nice that I get these notifications, or I see a charge card, I'm like, oh, that's another place I had that card, I need to fix that, you know, oh, I attempted to charge, right. that sort of thing. So that's nice. Uh, but it reminded me of one of my previous picks of the week, that I should have been using and I wasn't uh, and that is something called privacy card or at privacy.com and uh, as just as a quick recap it works uh, it's they're disposable or one-time virtual credit cards so you set up an account with privacy.com you connect it to your bank account and then you you whenever you want to make a purchase you can generate a new card so a new card that could be specific to a particular vendor. So, or you could have uh, generic cards that you, you know, one card that you use for all the places. But I prefer to make them vendor specific. And that card can be a one-time use burn card. You can only ever use for one purchase. You can make it a ongoing card, but limit how many, how much money can be charged per day, per month, per year, maybe per week. Uh, I, f- I forget exactly the the intervals, but it's at least day month or a year you can limit um overall purchases or any individual purchase so it's it's nice because if if i say i go to amazon i, I have one of these on my amazon account and i go and i i set it up and the someone gets that number and it get try they they charge it somewhere else i'm like hmm that's the card that got burnt that got you know someone stole i can kill that card and generate a new one and put that on the amazon account and then no one can um then i don't have to go generate new you know put new cards everywhere so like if you know because you know how a while ago there was this rash of people's credit cards getting stolen and every time that happened you'd have to go and like everywhere i have an automatic you know hulu netflix disney plus Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you have to go change it everywhere (laughs) so if you have a card for each individual you don't have to change the card every place uh, so that was good. And also the limit. So like I have Backblaze backup um, and that's like six bucks a month. And so I have it set to maximum that can be charged. That card is six dollars and 50 cents. And if someone steals that number, the most they could ever get off that card is six dollars and 50 cents. Uh, or uh, also, if Backblaze raises its prices, I can if they can't charge me until I know, you know, until I go in and say, no, I want I'll let me increase that. No, I don't want to do this anymore. So. Right privacy.com it's really good and one of the new things that they've done is they've integrated with one password the password manager so now you can generate them from right inside one password's browser extension on the fly so as i'm hmm. on the, the the website i can 
generate a new card, have it fill it in automatically. I can I could do all the settings for the you know burn you know use once or the limits of dollar amounts that sort of thing, and so I can I can use that like that much even even easier than it was before. So um, I just want to remind folks of that, and it's it's slightly more work. But it's a lot more security for the amount of work you put in. I know. I know that there are also banks that do similar services. Now it might not be quite as feature filled, and it might not be as easy because I also see on their their website it looks like they've got both Chrome and Firefox extensions. Uh, yeah, extensions that do the similar thing that you're talking about with one password. So that's that's another option for those of us who don't use one password. We might use other password managers as well. Um, but uh, I know there are banks that do this as well, you know, where they can do it through their banking app or whatever. But that's that's not as convenient as something like this, where, again, it can be integrated into your browser. It can be, you know, you can manage it separately and everything. But it's a good idea, though, because it does kind of obfuscate your real credit card, your real banking information. Because um, I'm, I'm assuming they could do it something like a debit card where it connect, you know, you connect to your debit card or something like that, but you don't have to worry. Exactly. Because uh, one concern when you're using this, you know, Dom, you talked about with the, the, the Apple card, you were able to get it cleared up relatively easily. Yeah. You know, relatively. I mean, it was still yeah. a pain, but relatively easily. Debit cards, I, I think people kind of don't realize is they operate on different rules. Um, with credit cards, they get you your money back generally pretty quick. With debit cards, they have much longer, the banks have much longer time before they have to give you your money back. So a lot of times they don't wait. They wait until they resolve the situation. Well, that's pulling out your checking account. Right. Most likely that happened to me once. Yeah. And which means that you're, you don't have your cash basically, because let's be honest, our checking accounts are our cash is cash today. Um, You don't have your cash for upwards of two weeks sometimes, depending on the bank. You know, some banks are better than others, but so that's a concern with debit cards. They don't have the protections as readily they do still have some protections but not as readily so something like this is a good option for that too um where again you can control what is coming out of your debit card right exactly i'm i'm just a little i have not run into this problem and Mm -hmm. i do a lot of stuff online and i specifically got an apple card because to use apple pay with Uh it and, yes. and to use it with all my other cards. So without giving away the financial bank here, um, was your card compromised through Apple Pay itself? No, or? I, should, okay. I should point out. And so that's actually a really good point. I use Apple Pay wherever I can. So it, Apple Pay is the one where it you see the pay with Apple Pay button on the screen and you click mm-hmm. it and then you have to approve it like on your watch or on your phone. Uh, and that is even more secure than privacy.com. Because it generates automatically, Apple Pay generates a unique number that can never be reused, whether you're at a a terminal at a store, a physical store, or you're doing it online. So I prefer that, and I use that wherever I see it. So that's true. Um, What happened was is I... I'm I'm fairly certain I know where my card was compromised, and I was on the website, and I used the the number that they give you and typed it in. All and, right. And that is no safer than doing it with my regular credit card. Mm. Yeah, six the 16 digit number yeah. that you see on every credit card with the yeah. expiration date and the little uh security code on the back. That right. that kind of routine. I'm mm-hmm. pretty and I I'm pretty sure I know who it was. I will never do business with them again. I told uh Goldman Sachs who who I suspected where the whole, you know, the hole was. I mean, 
the the nice thing about the Apple Card is the number's not printed on it. It can't be because they, the number can get regenerated at a moment's notice. Uh, but one of the biggest security holes for credit cards is not online. It's actually in person. Mm. If you hand your credit card to a waiter mm-hmm. and they walk away with it, they can write it down. Well, do you, do you remember a few years ago, I, this was more than a few years ago, where there was real concern about the, the swiping your card at the gas station? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Where people would put readers mm-hmm. on top of the this gas station skimmers reader. Yeah. Yeah. They'd put skimmers. So you would be swiping it through two readers, not one, mm-hmm. and they would get your cards. And that, that happened. That was that was quite the scare for a while. Same thing, ATMs, you know, similar thing happened there, you know, um, grocery, you don't hear a lot. grocery stores, too. Yeah. So that's why I prefer, like, when I go to gas stations, if they have Apple Pay, I use my my watch to to pay. If they don't, then like some a lot of the big uh, gas companies, like mobile and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. they have apps where you can pay through the app. You just say, "I'm at this station at this pump. I pay through my app." That w- that's much more secure again than sliding your card through it. I just I hate I hate like I literally if I ever have to use a card, I grab the thing and pull on it to see if it's loose if it's if there's something on top i don't trust it uh i don't blame you yeah and i want to you know i want to show my wife and when my kids are old enough to start being out there i want to train them to also be secure about their transactions because it's it's a war (laughs) you know when we've Mm got to defend ourselves against those who want to rip us off and and should mention that the chip so far that the as far as I know, the chip readers, you know, if you, uh-huh. you put your card in with the chip reader, you're fine. There's there, so far, there's no way to spoof that. Uh, if you do the tap, you know, like I've got a credit card that's got where you just tap the screen and it, it reads it, it which acts is the same way as and that does the same thing as Apple Pay, Google Pay. They all do the same. They all, I think they all use very similar protocols when you do it that way. But th- those those so far are impervious from being spoofed. That's right. I don't know if it's because of where I live, but I'm so frustrated that I cannot use that tap to pay. In certain really? places. And it's just could be just the area that I'm in, you know, Rhode Island, southeastern Massachusetts. It, I just can't find a reader that will read it. And I also <laughs> there are limited places. There are more places that take Apple pay like in stores, but trying to go to the gas pump, you know, it's like it's hit or miss and it's mostly swipe your card. And I mobile has a deal with Apple. So, in fact, you get. 3% back if you use your Apple Pay at mobile. And I, I have a mobile, like, literally, like, almost across the street from me. So I, I'm very happy with that. Um, I don't see any, I have, I don't think I've seen any tap to pay places. It's all chip reader where you got to stick it in the, in the terminal mm. around here. I don't think I've seen a single tap to pay. Right. The gas stations are, are rare for, for tap to pay. I have, I've only seen, a hand, I've seen relative handful of them. Um, but then again, you got the app. Yeah, exactly. But even in stores, I haven't seen tap right. to pay, which is interesting. It's all slided in. So, uh, but I see almost everywhere it does Apple Pay with weird, weird gaps like Home Depot and Lowe's. Like they don't do Apple Pay, but other like l- almost every place else I go, I can do my watch at the grocery store, at the convenience store. You know, so it's awesome. And this past year, where people didn't want to touch things. It became even better because Apple Pay on your watch, you didn't even have to take your mask off. You just hold it up to it. I go to the farmer's market. I use my, my watch to pay for everything at the farmer's market because they're all smart on this. Uh, so that that works great, too. So that's that's buying things online and being safe with your credit card. Uh, let's talk a little bit about selling things online. And this is another area where I've, I've had some experiences lately. I've been I've, I sometimes have uh, stuff that I get for review that they tell me I can keep. And after a while, I'm like, I don't 
really need this anymore. And so I want to pass it on, maybe, you know, recover some costs, you know, you know <laughs> that sort of thing. I mean, going to make a little, a few bucks off of it. Um, <clears throat> I, I try to give things away if I can, if I've received them for nothing. But uh, some of this stuff I have to pay taxes on. So I, I try to get the taxes back on it anyway. Uh, I'm just justifying myself. So anyway, I've uh, <laughs> I've come up with some things I want to you know some some interesting lessons about it. I wrote a blog post about it. I'll put the link in the show notes. But a couple of things, a couple of rules come up when you're trying when you're selling stuff person to person. This is really I feel like person to person type stuff, especially when it involves seeing someone in person. So you're selling so so that where do you pl- sell things online? You can sell things on Craigslist. You can sell things on Facebook Marketplace eBay, Etsy, uh, Amazon Marketplace. Uh, Joanne, you mentioned one called Mercari. What's what's that one? Yeah, Mercari is almost like a garage sale on an app. Okay. And it, you download the app, you take pictures of your stuff, you upload it and give it a price. And supposedly people, you know, contact you and all that. I, I'm very, people have taught, my husband himself has said, you know, you've got so much computer stuff, you should be selling this online. And I'm like, I'm very wary to do that. I like to know the people I'm selling it to rather than, you know, just somebody coming up and buying it. But that Macari one has been so promoted on on TV and in ads that I figured to bring it up. I haven't seen, I, I again, it doesn't, it just looks odd that people are walking around (laughs) yeah that people are walking around taking pictures of their house and aren't those pictures have some kind of metadata so that people would know where those pictures are see that's the kind of stuff i think about no and that's that's one of these things to be to be wary of is when you know when you're uploading pictures to various sites you know think about the metadata and the sorts of information you're telling people like this is stuff i own at this location you know Mm -hmm. and and so Mm -hmm. uh one thing you can do is to strip metadata out of your uh, apps, uh, out of your, I'm sorry, out of your photos. And there are apps that will do that. There's one called, uh, for the iPhone, called Metapho, M-E-T-A-P-H-O, that lets you uh, strip metadata. There are other ones. You can you look up metadata or EXIF data. That's another uh, thing that it's called. And um, they will strip out. The, the location data. Facebook uh, says it strips the data out of uh, photos uploaded to it. So that's. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, they strip <laughs> it out of the, out of the app, out of the image that p- other people see. They still have the data. So. Mm-hmm. Right. So on the one hand, yes, the, the other people can't use the photos to find out where you are. But Facebook does. But then again, Facebook, already, if you were if you're using Facebook, they know that's yeah, already true. anyway. So. um so a couple of things I want to mention about when you're selling online, and this is what happens. So I let's say I I have an old um, hard drive I want to sell on, uh, you know, online. I want to sell to someone local, and uh, I go to Facebook Marketplace. I take a picture, I post it up there, put a description and a dollar amount. So one of the things, and I've generally had positive experiences selling stuff locally online. Uh, but that's usually because I'm I'm careful. And one of the first things is I'm willing to negotiate on price. You know, I, you just expect it. Everyone thinks it's a you know we're at the old bazaar and you know in in the uh, in the 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 uh, Morocco you know in the, in the Casbah and we're going to haggle <laughs> you know for the for the price. Okay, f- fine. But one of the things I don't do is I don't let myself get bullied into accepting less than I think is fair. Okay, I always have a fair price in mind. 
Um, some people will try to play sympathies, you know, oh, no, my my uh, my phone, my kid's phone got broken. And uh, can't you <laughs> sell it to me for five dollars, your old phone for five dollars instead of a hundred dollars? And it's like, I'm sorry, uh, I, I can't afford that. Or it's people are trying to scam you out of, out of it. So that's one. Or they, they try to nag you into things. They get aggressive, like, you know, uh, you know, don't you want to, you know, you sell it, you know, or no one's going to buy it from you or, I'm, I'm, you know, how, how dare you ask so much or that sort of things. What they're trying to do is just play into our desires to be liked. You know, we don't want people to not like us. And so it's a it's a it's a a psychological thing. Um, so have you ever guys seen you guys ever seen that or experienced that where someone tries to tries to uh, manipulate you into uh, a more favorable deal for them? When you're at a yard sale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, yeah. See, I have experience with yard sales. No where you actually see yeah. the person. And when you're marking everything, you mark it down enough so that you're still making something, but, you know, you've still got room to haggle. That's notorious. I just, I've never been able to translate that to online. Right. Sure. That's the whole thing. I'd rather see somebody. And see if they're really scamming me. I can tell by sometimes by body language. How do That's you do true. that online? You know, it's hard to see. To, yeah, you got to have good instincts. You know, you just got to trust your instincts and be wary. Just you got to you got to enter into every situation being wary. And I hate <clears throat> everyone hates to be suspicious of everyone. But online <laughs> on Facebook with strangers, it, it just that's just you got to be. Well, and it's you, you got to be willing to say, no, this is the price I set. I'm not willing to change it. Right. If you don't want my price, go somewhere else. I'm just not interested. But yeah, yard sales were horrible. I mean, you, you hear stories of, of people who almost get violent of like, no, I'm going to pay $5 for this $100, you know, China or whatever. <laughs> yes. And you're not, you know, if you don't give it to me, you know, I'm going to take it from you. That kind of deal. You hear stories like that. You hear stories of people. The yard sale doesn't start till eight o'clock. Well, they're there at six o'clock picking through the stuff as you're sending it out, you know, stuff like that, you know, and that, that is a very much bullying tactics. That's normal. Um, yes. Yeah. And that that's and that. And that's that's something where the landowner should be saying no and don't come back. You know, we're, we're not interested in you if you're going to do that. But but the same thing, if you're doing it online, you know, the. the there there's room for haggling. I think if you state there is, but the second you say, no, I'm going to sell it for a hundred dollars and that's it. If someone continues to do the sob story, it's like, no, I'm done with you. Right. You can block mm. them. Just block them. You know, uh, one of the things I do is I always research ahead of time. How much is a fair price for this? What are other things like this in similar condition going for? And don't be, you don't price things emotionally. It means more to me. Or I, I, I should want the more of the cost that I sunk into this, you know, the more I paid for this, I want to recover. You have to be you have to be realistic about what something is worth in the open marketplace and be willing to go for that. Uh, but I I had something I was selling and I I priced it what I thought was a fair price. I kept getting lowballed, lowballed. I kept saying no, so I I lowered the price to a, a fair price, and then I, people were lowballing that and. And, uh, and I was like, this is just crazy. Like they like this was the price people were offering before. And then when I lowered it to to close that, they went even lower. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go back up again. And as soon as I did that, someone offered me the price that I was at at the my lowest price. I said, it's all yours. <laughs> uh, so it, it's but it's being willing to say, no, I, I'm sorry, this is not going to work out. 
you know, this isn't for this obviously isn't the the one for you. Uh, so good luck on finding a different one. You know, some people want it shipped. They want other they want, you know, special handling, all that sort of stuff. And I was usually like, no, I'm I'm preferring to sell this locally. I don't want to deal with the hassle of shipping and and escrow and all the other stuff. I, I'd rather do a person to person deal. And uh, it, it, eventually I had to be patient for some things. It took a long time. And Facebook keeps telling, you know, every once in a while, Facebook says, is this still, you know, uh, available? Is this still you selling it? And nope, nope. You know, and so, uh, uh, yeah. So don't be bullied. So that's my first one. The second one I would say is beware of. Uh, well, it's it, there are two related things. Beware of the sunk cost fallacy and beware of bait and switch. And what I mean by that is. um. You, you you make a deal with someone online. Yep, this is it. This is what we're going to pay. And then they um, they show up and they say, oh, you know what? I've only got, you know, I was going to give you a hundred. I told you a hundred dollars. I've only got $80 on me. And I've driven all this way. Could you just take this money? And no, <laughs> don't fall for it. Like you want, you don't want to be mean to someone, but you, you know, there's an ATM down the street, <laughs> you know, or, oh, this is all I've got. I'm sorry, we were I was very clear online. We made an agreement. You shouldn't have showed up with less than the agreed upon amount. Uh, you you got to be firm with people. Otherwise, you're going to get you're going to get scammed. And so don't let people try to take advantage of you like that. Well, I don't think I've never had that happen. But uh, I also never feel bad about counting the money right there in front of them. I, I, I don't know you, dude. <laughs> so I'm going to count the money. And, and, and tie with that, too, is if they decided they were going to show up with a personal check or something instead. Oh, yeah. That's my other thing is, is be clear uh, in advance what what rate of what you're going to use for the rate of you know, the exchange. Is it cash? You know, my first preference is cash. Cash is, as I say, cash is uh, legal tender everywhere. <laughs> and uh, mm. so I always take cash. Uh, maybe I'll go with Venmo or one of these other, uh, you know, or app. I've never had someone say Apple cash, but you could do Apple cash, but one of these digital cash transfers things. So I've, I've taken Venmo before, but uh, I don't take checks and I, you know, I can't take a credit card or whatever like that, or I don't do, I don't barter, uh, but always be clear up front. What, what re- exchange you're willing to go for, what, what your, your legal tender is. You know, and the nice thing is if you did something like Venmo or the Facebook transfer or uh, PayPal or something like that is you can show up there with the cash in your account. Basically, you can know for a fact that you have received that money from them in a way that they cannot pull it back. Right. Right. They can, and it's safe for the seller, too. I mean, for the buyer, too. So they show up, they see the product, they get to look at it and then they can say, OK, I'm transferring the money now and it transfers. And you look at your phone, and you say, OK, it showed up in my account. Here you go. You know, that there's a, there's a little bit of safety in that uh, situation for both sides. And that would be best, especially if you're selling something that's a higher dollar value. Let's say um, a car. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're going to sell something like, a, you know, I've got this beater. It's two thousand dollars. You don't want someone running around two thousand dollars and you don't want to be carrying two thousand dollars out of the deal. But if you can say, OK, we're going to show up and then we're going to use Venmo and I will give you the title and the keys when I see the transaction complete on my end. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could do things like a bank check or certified check or something made out to a specific person or that sort of thing. That's how we used to do things. But but again, you're carrying around this check and it's right. It's much better to just put it through. It's it's safer in some ways to put it through a digital transfer like that. 
Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Uh, some banks will have uh, transfers you can do from your right from your bank account. Like uh, Bank of America has uses Zelle. I think a lot of the big banks uses Zelle, which is uh, built into their own apps. So that's another way if you don't want to use a third party app, that sort of thing. So um, one of the other things that I would mention is I I, I often have people come to my house. I, I I'm not scared of people coming to my house. I'm, I feel safe in my house. <laughs> Um, I try to gauge who I'm dealing with mm. when I'm when it, but if I felt at all iffy about someone, I would arrange for a safe place for the exchange that's not my house. And one of the things that a lot of places are doing, like like uh, a lot of towns, the police will have uh, designated spots in their parking lot as you know internet exchange locations or whatever the internet commerce whatever they call it. But, you know, meet at the police station in their parking lot. It, it, that would be a bold crook who'd want to knock you, <laughs> knock you over the head <laughs> in front of the police station. Let me tell you. So uh, that would be another way to do it. Or in public, in a mall, in a, you know, in a, in a nice big public place or that sort of thing. Yeah, do, especially somewhere with cameras. Yes. If there's, you know, um, you know, of course, you're talking about earlier about if, if someone comes out, oh, I only have $80 or the $100. Well, there's an ATM right inside that gas station about yeah. three steps away. Exactly. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the, we're standing outside a bank. <laughs> right. You know, but some, but some place where there's, there's high traffic that if they try something, um, there's going to be people around, you know, they're going to be less likely to try to try to rip you off, you know, by stealing or, or whatever, if they know that there's traffic constantly coming and going, that's going to see them doing this. Right. It'd be interesting if a, if banks would do this. I mean, because banks, they, like the bank lobbies are less busy these days. There's less going, people, mm -hmm. fewer people going into banks. So it'd be a way for banks to bring people in because a bank is a secure place. There's cameras everywhere, you know, there'd be this, that, that whole sort of thing. It would be interesting. I want to say I've heard of banks, some banks, you know, just yeah. a small number actually encouraging that. Yeah. It makes sense. And then when they when the financial transaction is happening, it's you're in a bank and maybe that's where you know, you're drawing the money out and you deposit right in your bank account. If they hand you cash, mm -hmm. that would be good. See, as a as a woman, I get a little nervous mm. because and as an older woman, if I'm standing, you know, not that I'm afraid of a lot of things, but if I'm meeting somebody I don't know is outside of my neighborhood, I want to take people with me. Definitely. Because mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think you're you're safer in numbers. Yes, that's a good um, point. But women, I, I have a feeling that's why something like Macari or something like or something like good old trusty eBay is a lot better to sit behind because you it has some kind of a form. You know that you have a place to go if something happens. Um, things go awry. Right. I, I never liked Craigslist because of that, because it was just so Wild West. It is. Yeah. And you got to admit, it is Wild West. Um, I don't. Etsy is more for folks who are. They're just they're selling crafts. They more like make a flea things. Market. Yeah. 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 It's more of a flea <laughs> market. Sort make of thing. things. But, you know, I would like to get rid of. I'd like to downsize. And I'm looking at all of this saying, what would be my best bet at this point? In, in my life, who I am and, and how I can do this safely and still make a little pocket change to buy, you know, the, the next gadget. Yeah, I feel like eBay is for things you're willing to ship, really. Okay. That's, mm -hmm. that's that's I've always looked at it in that way. They do. They do have the option of in person they do. on eBay. Yeah. But but yeah, it's by and large, it's, it's stuff that's not in your area. And I, I prefer not to have to do the whole bidding thing. I just like here is the price, you know. 
offer the first person to offer me the price gets the thing. Well, I've noticed more and more on eBay, it's buy now. Yeah. We haven't, my husband does a lot of eBay buying of golf equipment and he, he very rarely puts in an auction anymore. It's all buy now, buy now, buy now. I think Facebook marketplace is good. Like eBay, you have to have an account, but how hard is it to create a new account? You know, Facebook marketplace, you have to have a Facebook account and anybody can create a Facebook account, but you can do a little due diligence and look at people's profiles and say, has this profile just been created a week ago or has this person got connections and people and, uh, and, you know, is a looks like a real person. So you can do a little more research. I think a lot of people are using Facebook marketplace. I think it's sort of replaced Craigslist in many ways. Um, I've used it a lot lately. Um, when I've listed things, I've listed things in both Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, and Facebook is the place where it, it sells, frankly, for for me locally where I am. So, I mean, it could be different where other people are. Um, Amazon Marketplace, you can actually sell things on Amazon. Uh, they have a third-party marketplace, uh, although I, I think it's become less common, and I, th- I don't think Amazon's really pushing that anymore. What I'm finding on Amazon is sometimes when you go to buy something, it doesn't quite clearly differentiate between this is a you know a regular seller and this is a marketplace thing yeah so we've run into that problem before especially with you stuff yeah mm -hmm, where we actually are buying from a marketplace and not from like prime or a seller that they've had a third-party seller that they trust so you got to read those very carefully now when they come up that's why if if it's if it ships via prime then it's then it's in Amazon's warehouse, and therefore you can be a little more assured that at least it's somebody they know. Doesn't mean it's going to be quality. There's a lot of knockoffs that are being sold on Amazon these days. That's a whole other issue. But uh, yeah. Well, and it it's yeah with Amazon especially it it, it gets so strange because they they try to obfuscate that on purpose. Right. Right. But of course, their preference is that you buy it from Amazon or one of their dealers. Yeah, they True. make more money off of that too. So that's better for them. Anything else, other advice you want to give to people who are buying and selling online? Uh, I think we've covered it pretty well. I think the pandemic has put a lot of people doing just this because no one wanted to go out anywhere. And now that things are opening up again, I'm finding there are some things I've said, you know, I really like having it shipped here. And there are other things like, yeah, I'm going back to a store. <laughs> right, right. Especially for clothes, I'm going back to a store. That's right. That's right. Well, it'll be interesting to see if if things like farmers markets, like uh, bazaars, if you know yard sales, how those come back. Yes, and I, I think they will, and I think they they'll come back fairly strong. But it'll, it, I I wonder how many of these companies will these places that do things like bazaars and farmers markets will try to get more of the online. Uh, transactions you know the the the, uh, the the square reader or whatever so that you can do all your transaction online our farmers market has more of the, more of the vendors are doing the the square readers the, the the tap to pay with your you know your watch sort of stuff um the the contactless payment um and more of them are doing pre-ordering online so you can pre-order and they have it ready for you and you don't have to stick stay in the crowd so there's a lot more of that than there was before too i've noticed so I think that's that's going to be with us for a while. So um, I didn't mention like pen, when you're selling in a pandemic and, you know, contact with people was an issue. Uh, so we off, uh, you know, I would um, 
usually mask up. We'd stand at a distance. I'd put the thing down. The person would approach, pick it up, look at it, and then, <laughs> you know, hand me the cash. You know, we, we'd be safe. I'd, I'd gauge the other person's comfort level. We'd, we'd always do it outside, you know, that sort of thing. Um, these days it's less important, but, you know, it might even be worthwhile asking if, uh, if you're vaccinated, you know, should what sort of precautions should we take when we're in person and that sort of thing, if that's your comfort level. So, you know, something to keep in mind as well. All right, let's move on to to our headlines. Before that, I want to thank our patrons to who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Tony G, Carrie C, William T, Gyro C, and Adam F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So this headline for uh, th- that I want to talk about is just it's too it's too good it's too 2021 the cloud and Father Corey you're a, you're a U.S. Air Force veteran you can talk about this a little bit uh, from your point of view so apparently sol- U.S. soldiers stationed in Europe who are in charge of guarding our nuclear weapons in Europe were using the uh, apps online or on their phones to create study aids for them because they have to study the protocols, the security procedures, all that sort of stuff. And so they were using these tools to help them study, make sure they understood how to deal with, you know, their patrol schedules, where the bombs are on base, you know, which are it's top secret information. The problem is, is they were using apps that upload the stuff into the cloud and didn't realize that other people can look at the flashcard sets that they were creating therefore exposing to everyone and their grandmother where our nuclear weapons are on each base and what the security schedules are, the patrol schedules, and the <laughs> this top-secret information. Uh, this is a problem. It's a, I mean, this is, in all seriousness, that is a huge security problem. Oh, Father boy, Corey, what it's... do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Did they not listen during their security briefings that said you don't put top secret information on an unclassified computer network? Did they not listen? <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing they said when I got briefed in for above top secret. I was top secret special compartmentalized information, which yes. is above top secret. This is the level that like this this information they're talking about is at. And it's it's literally if you only you only know it's literally that if you need to know it, you'll know it. If you don't, you don't, you know, it's neat. This is when they talk about need to know. That's what this level is. And the first thing, the last thing, the middle thing, everything they pound on you is you only put the level of information on the computer network cleared for it. And there's stickers on every machine that says unclassified, secret, top secret, SCI, you know, it's clear. And. They would have had to go sit down at an unclassified computer with this top secret information in a top secret uh, area, a SCIF, special compartmentalized information. And they did it anyways, (laughs) knowing they shouldn't have. Right. I have a feeling that if they found out who did it. Oh, yes. If he's lucky, he lost a rank or two. If he's not so lucky, he got a uh, discharge that's that. It says less dishonorable. Than yeah, less than a horrible mm-hmm. dishonorable. Well, it's not even just one. This is multiple. So the one mm-hmm. had to do with Vocal Air Base in the Netherlands. There was another one at Aviano Air Base in Italy. The other bases in Turkey, Belgium, and Germany. Yeah. Yeah. I, a- I should also mention that there, there's very likely the chance of jail time. Yeah. Yeah. 
federal federal military jail time. Leavenworth. So break some rocks. This is this is not this is this is taken very seriously in the military when you when you miss uh, levels of classification like this and you put the wrong information. Now, if they had done something like this on a top secret level, if they had a, a software that was approved for doing flashcard type information on top secret, it would have been non-issue. They would probably been they would probably been praised for doing it, but not on an unclassified information. My question in hearing all of this, I, mean, I don't think it's a question. I think I'm losing a lot of faith in our um, abilities and government in the United States to keep to lock our stuff down and keep it from letting others see our hand. I mean, this week now we've got we've got slaughterhouses that can't do their thing. Because somebody hacked them. We've or had a pipeline, pipeline. that's yep. been hacked. You know, and now we've got the, the military throwing out flash. What What the heck? Did anybody take a basic computer course to, to learn how to, you know, make sure we don't get hacked or get or let things go? I mean, what is up? Network security has been an issue since the 90s. I mean, and we, we still haven't learned it. I mean, we, we, we would talk about it in the military and I did some of some, um, you know, computer network security when I was after I was in the Air Force, after I got out of the Air Force. And it's still an issue. You know, we, we the Internet is a wonderful tool. And, you know, like these places like the, these slaughterhouses, this was a mega conglomerate from Brazil that had bought up slaughterhouses here in the United States. And, you know, all their systems were connected to the Internet and they had firewalls and VPNs. But there was some weakness somewhere. There was some way that somebody broke through a firewall and they weren't doing security checks. They weren't getting, you know, hiring white hat hackers. You know, white hacks are the, the guys who do it to find security holes so that they can be fixed. The black hats are the ones who find the security holes to do things like we saw with the pipeline and so on. That's actually our second headline is uh, the this re- revelation that uh, there are if if you are looking to get a job in computers these days get trained in cybersecurity there are there are millions of jobs available like they're they're dying they're paying huge money to anyone who will be who is get a abilities in cybersecurity uh this is a CNN headline that um looks at uh what was it that there's a cybersecurity labor shortage there's been one for at least a decade now and there's a new surge in companies looking to hire now that we've had all these big uh, uh, hacks that are out there uh, in the U.S., there are 879,000 cybersecurity professionals today and an unfilled need for another 359,000. Like, hmm. I, I'm going to look at my kids. I'm like, look, if you're looking for a good job, get trained in cybersecurity. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a few years away from it. But that would be the thing. I mean, information security analyst is the 10th fastest growing occupation over the next decade, wow. according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, a growth rate of 31 percent. And I think it's because no one has ever taken this seriously. Not like, seriously enough. Know, yeah. Well, that's just it. You know, they think it, that happens to someone else. It doesn't happen to us because, you know, we're we're running on Windows 8. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Roll back. Well, I've got Norton antivirus, right? Aren't I safe? You know, yeah, <laughs> just... yeah we, we've we've got a firewall you have to log through to get to, out to the Internet. So we must be safe. Right. Well, I'm right. on a Mac. That that yeah. was always a thing. I'm on a, I'm on a Mac. I don't have to worry about it. And our budget is limited and we don't have enough money to pay mm-hmm. for cybersecurity. So we'll just be safe. Well, and, and there's there's very much a sense of, of, of security by obscurity. If they don't know you're there, you're safe. 
Well, that's not the case. You know, one thing I did see when I was, again, when I was working as, you know, in, in a network security, we would have sweeps of our network where we would have these attacks that would come through and try to hit every IP address on our network because they would just sweep. They knew that this, this network existed. They knew who owned this network. And it would be places like the University of Beijing. Gee, I wonder why a university in China would be trying to sweep a government network. Right. Huh. This isn't just kids playing around. I can tell you that. Exactly. You know, this is all, you know, but, you know, oh, we're obscure because nobody knows about our company. Nobody knows about our network. They're looking for them. And as we've said many, many times, among the worst with computer security are churches, nonprofits, ministries. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my various jobs around the Catholic Church, around uh, you know uh, uh, other nonprofits, where I encountered text files with passwords left unsecured on an open network, on an open Wi-Fi network, <laughs> like just, yep. you're just asking for people to be able to break into your bank account because that's where your password is. Like, you know, or, you know, the the big boss in charge of a huge part of, a, of, of the network with a password that is so simple to guess. I could tell you off the top of my head, probably, you know, it's just we've got to take these things more seriously, even simple steps. We're not even doing the simple stuff in many cases. Um, so, yeah, it's it, you know, this, this would be something I know dioceses don't want to hear. We need more positions. But this would be something that a diocese could really do for parishes is have an IT guy yes. that is permanently hired, even a diocese as small as mine. As a matter of fact, I might make this recommendation to Bishop. His job is not to sit in the chancery. His job is to go from parish to parish and, okay, let's secure things. Let me train you on how to do some of this stuff securely. Now, that's not saying like in a small parish like mine, we're literally, this is my computer. This is my network is what's in my house that maybe a lot needs to be done. And of course, I, I know what I'm doing. But, you know, even in the parish I was at before, we had three or four computers hooked up to a network. Mm-hmm. How do you secure that? How do you make sure that people can't get in? Because you know they're going to try to find it. Once they know where you're at. And even mm. beyond that, like it would be a service to the parish to have him have a, you know, that guy have a meeting with the parish community about basic personal mm-hmm. cybersecurity, you know, how, how, to, how to update your computer. Right. And we, we do this when we want to get money from people. This is a little inside baseball. But, you know, you have a development guy come from the diocese, show up at a parish to talk about uh, legacy planning or, you know, for, you know, how do you plan your your uh, what's the word, you know, plan giving, you know, what are you going to yes. do when you die? And we're mm-hmm. helping you with. Oh, and by the way, if you want to, you know, some of that plan giving goes to the the church. We'd be happy to help you with that. Well, why don't we go help people with their security, their cybersecurity? If people aren't getting ripped off, they have more money that they can use to support their parish. You know, the parish should be more than just a place people go on Sunday for for mass. It should be a part of the community and doing things for the community. And so more than just even helping parishes secure their office computers could be helping people in the parish. And I think, and, and not just in the parish, but in the parish staffs, I hate to say this because you've got folks using, being expected to use technology who haven't the first clue sometimes how to use technology. So while you need a guy going around making sure everybody's secure in a diocese, I think you need a guy or gal who's able to sit down with with parish staffs and say, what are you using and how can we make it more secure and better for you to use because i'll tell you i know parish staffs that are still on office 10 
Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. 2010, <laughs> which keeps getting, you know, stuff pulled out of it. And they keep saying, why can't I do this anymore? Because it's old. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We talked recently about upgrading obsolete, obsolete OSs and, you know, parishes, parish offices are notorious for having not upgrading and old technology. And uh, so. All right, let's move on to our next headline. This is a uh, time sensitive. We've uh, we mentioned this before, but this is coming now. June 8th is the date when Amazon will have its Echo devices uh will I'm using that word so mine doesn't wake up the the device. Uh their Amazon Sidewalk feature will activate. Amazon Sidewalk is a shared network that your Echo devices, your ring cameras, anything, your tile trackers, and a bunch of other stuff connected to it will form a mesh network. They will they will connect to one another. They'll connect to your neighbor's network. They'll share. They're going to share this. They're going to create a cloud of uh, of network coverage that will let them all work better. So, for as an example, if your ring camera is on the far side of your house and it's closer to your neighbor's uh ring cameras than it is to your Wi-Fi router, it will share that if his if he's got Amazon Sidewalk active on his network uh, and you have it active on yours. And it's a way of making these things work better. Or tile trackers. If as the tile tracker moves around, it doesn't have to be just around other people's phones with the tile app on it. If it's near anything that's part of Amazon Sidewalk, it will also be so it sounds like a good idea. The, the, a lot of people are worried, though, that I'm opening up my network for anyone to u- to use, including Amazon. And frankly, I'm not sure I want Amazon to have unfettered <laughs> to give unfettered access, essentially, to whoever it deems OK. It's a potential security and privacy hole. So if you have any Amazon devices, which includes Ring, which includes Echo devices, uh, it includes and includes Tile, you have to. Download the Amazon Alexa app. Didn't okay. I was waiting for it to activate uh, to your phone <laughs> or iPad or or what have you. Uh, go into it, and I'll have a link to where you, how that a thing that explains how to turn it off. But you go into the settings and tell it off Amazon Sidewalk off. If you don't do that as of June eighth, your your devices will automatically be enrolled. Uh, so. At the moment, this is U.S. only. So if you're in Canada, Mexico, U.K., Australia, you don't have to worry about this just yet. But you do have to, if you're in the U.S., you have to do this now or you'll be unrolled. When this first came out, I read it and I went, no, thank you. I'm going to be the hole in the cloud. And I (laughs) shut it off. Right. And when when I saw this on the agenda for this week, I went back to my little A-Lady app and looked at it, I said, yep, I did turn that off. I just don't feel comfortable with that. And there are a lot of ringed video doorbells in my neighborhood. And I know most people have, you know, a couple of those lovely little devices. And I just don't feel comfortable with I don't want to be part, not that I don't want to be a bad neighbor, but I just don't think, you got to prove to me that this is actually going to work and not be another one of those, you know, information sucks that just kind of takes everybody's information and puts it somewhere yeah. else. I want to be a good neighbor. <laughs> I don't want my neighbors to go rifle through my uh, my dresser drawers. <laughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a limit. And my my stuff, my Echoes, my Ring cameras, they work fine on my network. I don't need anybody else's network to make them work okay. So I don't want to be out there. And, and frankly, 
uh, this reminds me of the Verizon uh, thing where you where they uh, they have the the public Wi-Fi hotspots that run off your router. I've got that turned off too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also, Verizon does that too because I know there wasn't there uh, Xfinity or was another yeah. one that did that. That's, where, I'm sorry, that's where it was. Uh, Xfinity does it. I don't think Verizon's doing that yet. Now that I think about yeah, it, yeah, it's well. I wonder with Amazon's, how many actual mobile Amazon devices are there? Well, it's not so much about the mobile Amazon devices as it is about creating this web of connection from house to house to house to house. Oh. That's I think, and they want to bring in third parties like Tile, and they'll, what they will do is once this is active, they'll they'll be able to go to other companies and say, "You want to be part of this, and you want to be part of this, right?" And now there's a whole bunch of people part of this, and they're yeah. also getting your information. Yeah, that's why it's off. And oh, by the way, not and then we have Blade Runner, where as you're walking along, all of a sudden, ads, customized ad shows up on billboards at the the bus stop well, or that, whatever. That's the thing. Amazon then can use this network to follow your phone as it travels. Exactly. Through their net, the, the mesh like oh, you network. Got, you got the little tile tile puck attached to the back of your phone. Now we know where you are. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's why one of the reasons why I'm slowly replacing my tiles with the, uh, the Apple uh, tags. So we'll, you know, well, it's it's an expensive replacement process, but as the t- the tiles batteries die, they're going to be replaced by air tags because they are more secure. They're more private. That's the Apple's you know selling point on those. Uh, all right, so that's uh, make sure to take care of that. Another thing you need to also uh, look at as a date sensitive. <laughs> we talked about before. As of June first, Google Photos no longer offers free storage for your photos unless you have purchased storage space. So if you have a Google account, you have uh, even a free Gmail account, you have a certain amount of free storage space on their servers. I think it's 15 gigs, but that includes all of your email and all the attachments and all that sort of stuff. So yep. now from, from June 1st, any photos that you add from that point on will no longer, will, will count against that storage space. Before June 1st, when you uploaded stuff, you could upload as many photos as you want. It was unlimited. Uh, they were compressed. They were not uh, un- the uncompressed storage cost extra. But any photos that you uploaded that you were you were OK with them being compressed, you could upload as many as you want. But as of June 1st and, and now I should point out uh, the, anything that you uploaded before June 1st does still is free and doesn't count against your cap. It's only stuff you upload from June 1st on. And I, we should, I should point out um, if you had a pixel phone, like I do, you would get the free storage for the original quality photos. Yes. It's only if you're using a non Google device. So an Apple device or Samsung or something like that, or just directly uploading them that they would compress them to the high quality instead of the original quality. Yes. Right. You know, so this little, little caveat there. Cause I just, I just looked and you know, I, I've, I've got pictures, all the pictures I've taken before yesterday. Because as we film this or record this, it is June 2nd. So it's after this change made. They're, they're all the original quality uh, photos. And when I saw this a while ago, I went over to Amazon because I'm a Prime member. And if you want to take your photos out of Google, Google has a way for you to do that. Yes, to their credit, so they do. Yeah. They do. So you can take them all out and then upload them to Amazon. I have not... I've not taken them off of Google yet, but because I'm still working with the Amazon so that it goes right to Amazon and doesn't keep going to Google. But yeah, I just, again, I, it's one of those things where it's not that I don't want to pay 
it's just these are photos. Sometimes these are photos for work. Sometimes these are, are personal photos. And I'm starting to learn how to separate that. So the because the photos for work disappear. So you know, when I don't need them anymore. So it depends on how you use things that you should choose what you want to upload to. I use Google Photos as sort of a, a backup of last resort. So I have my photos in iCloud photo library and they're at their full resolution there and all of that. And that, that's where they go first. Uh, but I've, I've had Google Photos, you know, and they're, and they're compressed. They're high quality, but compressed. And if, if, God forbid something horrible happened to my iCloud photo library that was unrecoverable. I would at least have that. And that's that's how I felt about it. Uh, I mean, because of anything that I lose, losing photos is one of the worst things. If you lost all your photos, I mean, just all the kids and all the vacations and all my, you know, the people in your life that have passed on, that sort of stuff it would be horrible. The worst thing. Uh, so this is my my place of last resort. And let's be clear again. Google is not going to say you have to charge for all your photos. You have 15 gigabytes free as of this point. So don't feel like you have to dump Google photos and any photo you put out there before yesterday, before Monday still counts as as free. It doesn't go against your cap. It's anything from this point on. I, I, so let's be, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that people aren't feeling like they have to immediately dump Google Photos. If Google Photos works for you like it does for me, I'm going to continue to use it. And because, you know, I've got a Google device and it works best. Um, what's better to do is use Google Photos if, as long as you've got the room and get something like Amazon. I use Dropbox. I use my drop. I pay for two terabytes of Dropbox storage and every photo I take, the original is copied on from my phone to Dropbox. So I have that as well. Uh, so it's good to have more than one location. Don't just rely. And that's that's the point of this. Don't just rely on Apple. Don't just rely on Google. Have multiple copies. Yes, and I had had a mishap a while back when I was a young, foolish, geeky person <laughs> and lost part of my iCloud library, but Google has it. So that's why it was important for me to find now another place because my iCloud library does not have every single photo that I've, ever, that I've taken since we started all this. Plus, it, remember, videos go into photos, and I think because I do a lot of video rendering for work, that's where I get very concerned, although I've started to portion that out now. But they take up a lot more room, so 15 gig is going to go fast if you're doing photos and video at the same time. I'm trying to find out how much Google charges for storage. Uh, that's, uh, let's see, where did I but find it, that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing it easily. And They've I, got what's called Google One. Yeah, mm, um, yes. Which is, it's kind of like the Apple, Apple one or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to guess that additional storage is going to be like it is for, you know, additional storage in Apple or Dropbox. It's, you you could probably get a terabyte for a few bucks a month at most, you know, that sort of thing. So I just, I just looked it up on mine. It's a hundred gigabytes for $2 a month. So it's not terrible. It's not, a, it's not a terrible price. And I'm sure uh -huh. they've got other packages. That's just the one. Like, one yeah, buttons. I'm thinking 100 gigs for two bucks a month. That's I'm not sure my whole uh, 10 years of photos is 100 gigs for me, you know, uncompressed photos. So um, it's, you know, if if, if I you want it back, I'm currently using like I'm just using like 12 gig right now. But I'm not the, the most I'm not the biggest shutter buddy bug either. So. Right. Exactly. 
All right. So uh, that's good. All right. I think we should move on from our headlines then and get to our picks of the week. And Father Corey, what is your pick this week? So my pick is something that um, if you're like me, you, the first thing you do after buying a phone, maybe even before you get it <laughs> on the network, is you put a case on it. You know, it's just um, and, and part of the reason is I have gotten this habit is I've dropped phones and had you know, like my, my, my pixel four that I use, like the first week I had before I even got the case, cause I, I bought it brand new. So the cases weren't even available yet. Like within the two days I dropped it on concrete and put a little chip in the, oh, the side of the oh, case. Yeah, it's a metal case, but there's still a little chip in it now yeah. because of that. So and I was fortunate. That's all it did. Um, so buying a case and one, one thing I, I, I did with my iPad because I use it for my homilies. I use it. I travel with it is I bought an OtterBox defender which is the big thick case. The case is like two times the size of the iPad itself. Um, and I was reminded of this the other day where I opened it up to clean it. You know, you, 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 gunk gets in there, dirt gets in there. And it's like, oh yeah, the iPad is only about, you know, this big. And the Defender is like three times the size with it in there. <laughs> but it's a hard case. You know, it, the, the iPad itself is between two layers and then there's a cover that goes on top of the screen. And the, the screen itself is a, has a protector. And so they've got OtterBox is well known for making these very rugged, very durable, waterproof sometime, some many times um, cases that you can rely on, especially again, the Defender class that are designed to be the you can drop this and nothing will happen to your iPad. The case might get beat up, but you'll be fine. And so it's very much worth looking if you're like me, where you know you're going to drop these things. It's just going to happen to getting a good case. And, you know, of course, they've got different levels of cases. They've got screen protectors. But like I'm looking here for my Pixel 4, it's like $60 for the Defender case, which, again, is it's a very heavy, thick case that really encloses the phone. You can get a, a, a like a belt clip for it. And I'm sure you've seen people do that where they've got the little clip that the phone snaps onto. And that way, then, you know, the phone's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to have to worry about risking these phones because these devices are $1,000, $1,500, sometimes as much as $2,000 now. And we really need to protect them because we, many of us can't afford to replace them on a regular basis. So uh, this is $60 that can protect your uh, your device for years. You know, like, again, I've had my iPad. I've dropped it and I, my iPad looks brand new still inside of there. So if you give your devices to kids. Yeah. <laughs> if your kids have an iPad, yeah. they have a phone. Let me tell you, every kid I've ever seen with a phone has a broken screen. <laughs> they just do. Yeah. And they, you need to put them in good cases to protect the screen. It's worth because it costs more than the, the case to replace the screen once. So, yes. And, and, and these these little cases like I've got where it's just a little wraparound thing where it's got a little lip. Those are fine. They help. You know, if you drop on a table, it's not going to break the screen or whatever. But if it smacks from, you know five feet up if they're standing on the top of the steps and it drops to the concrete below it's toast these little cases aren't going to help that much or it careens off a car top <laughs> or it careens <laughs> right, off a car right. top yep 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 so so yeah, getting a good case is worth it. and otterbox is, is is in my opinion one of the best brands out there yeah. for all right excellent joanne what is your pick this week <laughs> <laughs> i know yes i i said before that i was going to do this and i did i did hey, hey, do you have an otterbox case for it yet? <laughs> no, no i don't <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't. But I did snag myself the new iPad Pro 12.9 inch with the lovely screen, mini LED screen and the Thunderbolt port. I'm not sure which one I like better of those two little additions, because I'll tell you, the first thing I did, because screens and I, right now I have a little bit of an eye thing going. So screens and I are, <laughs> I need bigger at, the, at this moment. This thing is so clear. I mean, I took, I have a, a, we have smaller iPads in the house and I did try to do a little bit of a comparison. The screen is crisp. It's like I'm walking around with a small television set. Nice. You know, it, it, it's that clear a screen. Okay. And everything is really sharp. The blacks are black. Uh, it moves really, you know, when it, when it's shifting through scenes and it moves really fast. Um, but then there's that Thunderbolt port. Oh my, I <laughs> seriously, I took it and I connected it to my screens here in the office and it ran, it did, it didn't run both, but it ran one of them from the, from the, um, switch that I have here. Cause I have a port, I have a, the port switcher. Yeah. A KV, a KMI mm-hmm. uh, switch or no, KVM? No, no, no. Uh, you know, I wait for my big time here and I lose the words <laughs> in my head some days. I have a Belkin port. Oh, okay. okay. Where I put all, it has two USB switches. It has a Thunderbolt. It has all of that that I, and the, and the Ethernet. I put it on there. It ran one of my, it won't run both screens, but it runs one of them clearly. So, and it, and my keyboard it immediately attaches to it. The trackpad does not. You have to go into accessibility and enable that trackpad to work. But once you do, it's like I could now go from home to work with just an iPad, put it on those two, put it on those two um, hubs, and I would be all set to go. Now, I didn't get a big one. I got a 120. I did this purposely. I I got a 128 because I wanted it right away. (laughs) Because I knew if I went 256 or above, it would be. And I didn't think I. Right. And I didn't think I needed 16 gig of RAM either because of what I use it for at at this point. But I can. This is what I originally wanted to do two years ago when I bought a large iPad was to be able to have a small iPad. I'm I iMac Mini in the house, you know, and then use this outside to be a, and run the same kind of stuff. And I'm st- again, I'm still working with it. I've only had it a week and a half, but I can tell you, if you have a two years or older iPad, this is a wonderful bump up. Oh yeah, it, it really is, and the the camera on it. Haven't done too much with it yet. It seems to be very crisp and clear. I have taken some crisper, more crisp than before, but center stage. It's that front camera now, which was always lousy on an iPad, <laughs> is now crisper. It's not totally. It's crisper, but it has this thing called center stage, and center stage is kind of like a gimbal. Where if you move, it goes with you. It automatically follows you around. It follows you. And then if somebody else comes into the picture, it widens the picture. 
all of a sudden. So they're not trying to crowd in to the little space before. <laughs> so And Zoom if, now supports center stage. It's built. Yes. They're building it in. Yeah. Wow. I have not tried that yet with Zoom, but yes, it does. I'm looking forward to trying that. So this is, I mean, if you have a two year, like I had a two year old iPad, I got, I got decent money for it. So that this really only cost me half the price that you would buy it straight out with. So if you've got an iPad and you want to upgrade and your iPad still has some money in it, go through the trade-in. And I finally got Space Gray, which I hadn't been able to get ever. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I highly endorse it. I'm going to be getting the Bridge keyboard next because the Bridge keyboard I have does not fit this because it's just a little bit thicker. Slightly different. Of course. Yeah, of course. So Always. I'm going to be getting the new one. So I'll probably, that'll probably be a pick coming on down the road. Awesome. Well, my pick this week is a YouTube channel that I'm going to re- recommend it's called Simply Explained. And it's this fellow who makes these animated videos that explain usually technical concepts. And one of the ones that I, uh, I really enjoyed was he explained how does blockchain work? And it was so helpful because it's such a everything is blockchain these days. Oh, NFTs and in in cryptocurrency and everything is about blockchain with smart contracts and like well okay but what is a blockchain? <laughs> and nobody could seem to explain it in a way that was clear and understandable. It made sense, uh, and he did. And this is a, a really excellent little video, just a few minutes long, and explains when you've watched it, you'll have a basic understanding, not an advanced understanding necessarily, but a basic understanding of how blockchain works. Uh, so it's simply explained. I'll put the link in the show notes on sqpn.com, but uh, d- definitely check it out. That and other, there's lots of other videos that he's got, uh, years worth of videos, and it'll be a uh, a nice uh, nice little education in some technology concepts for you. So um, that should do it, I think. So if you have feedback on our discussion, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Be sure to write a review of the show. If you can, take a, take a moment out of your day, and we'd really appreciate it if you write a review in Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcast directories, wherever you get your show from, and share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community of, of listeners. You are, you've been doing such a great job at that, folks. I know because our show is in the top 100 of tech news podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So that's a that's a cool. that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean there are a lot <laughs> of tech podcasts out there, and so to get into the top 100 is really gratifying, and that's because of you. Uh, listening and sharing and writing reviews. And uh, we really appreciate that. So uh, until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.